Look at them, madame. Have you ever in your entire life seen anything so beautiful? I'm sorry, I don't know anything about stamps. Live from the Stamp Show Here Today infotainment complex, this is the award-winning Stamp Show Here Today. If you can dream it, we can collect it. Brought to you by the Southern Nevada Philatelic Research Center, a nonprofit 501c3 corporation for the advancement of philately. You can support this witless tosh by joining the Stamp Show Here Today community. The cost is only $10 for a lifetime membership. We are an APS-affiliated club. Listen to the end credits for more information. This is Lord Cash. And this is Lord High Constable Mark. And this is Sir Jim. And we just uh, saw a U.S. one-cent blue Franklin stamp. Yes, we did. And uh, Jim, why don't you tell us about it? Well, it was submitted as a number five. Which is a very, very valuable $67,000 catalog stamp used. Um, I examined it, um, put it in the VSC to see if it had been drawn in, could not detect that it had been drawn in by the VSC. Um, so what exactly, why don't you give people a little primer? I'm sorry. What, what is the number five? Okay, so the number five is um, one plate position on the uh, plate of 400, correct? 200. Plate of 200. Yeah, four, four panels of 50. No, two panels of 100. It's two panels of 100. <laughs> See, he asked me to tell, and then he wants to tell the story. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, it's a, it's a, out of 200 stamps, there's only one position that had the full design, and that was position number five or seven, seven. Se- position seven. So... Um, it's uh, referred to as RI1, RIE7, or R7, RIE. What? 7R1E. Yeah. It's a very technical term for... Can I jump in here? <laughs> he's, he's, uh, he's the expert in this field, so... Okay, so what happened was the one-cent stamp, they did a great engraving job on it. It had flurries and curls and little doodads all over the place. It was a very, very nice-looking stamp. It, they, they, the engraver just went to town. It's too bad that wasn't that description was not on television because he <laughs> used his hands all over the place oh, yeah, to describe you, the curls. If you could right. see the, uh, my gesticulations, I could, you'd be much more impressed. Um, so they laid it out, and they laid it out starting at the upper right-hand corner, and they put a stamp down, and they put the next one down, and they put the next one down. Then they put the next one down. And they said, you want to know something? These ain't going to fit. Yeah. <laughs> They're so good. They're too big. They're so big. The, we are not going to get 200 of these on this plate. So they sent them back and said, oh, okay. So what they did was they shaved off some of the top and the bottom ornaments. And then they took the piece of metal that they had put these impressions in they turned it over heated it up and hammered out the design so that they can reuse the piece of metal because it was expensive well when you hammer it out you don't get all the design out there's still some residual design left so then they started at the upper right corner and put 10 across 
then next hen, next hen, next hen, put a hundred, then went to the left side and put in another hundred. So you had a sheet, of, a pane of 200 on with this page. Well, the seventh stamp still showed enough of the prior design to show the upper and bottom ornaments. And so it is the, the most complete design of this original design. And so from the very beginning, and actually we were talking about this at lunch, uh, collectors have a tendency to desire to make that which is common rare. And this is a single position out of 200. And so they created a rarity because this stamp has these characteristics that only appear in this one spot. Now the ones next to it, those are called five A's. They are, they show still some of that original design that they hammered out, but not as much. So they were given a lesser. And uh, there is a strip of three on a first day cover, actually. It has a number seven, a number five, and a number five A strip of three, positions number six, seven, and eight, on a first day cover. And it's very famous. Uh, you'll see it in a lot of places. And that is like the holy grail of, you know, finding common stamps that are very rare. Right. So anyway, this number five, what happened to it? Okay, so the number five um, was submitted. It was submitted as a number five. So I put it in the VSC, did not show. A lot of times you can tell because if somebody's drawn in the characteristics of a, of a stamp like that, it will show up because the ink will be a little bit different or something. But it didn't seem to show that. But under magnification, put it under the microscope, and you could tell it had been drawn in. Um, we then shifted our attention. Oh, I, I have to go back. It did have the plate dot in the upper right corner, which is uh, characteristic of that particular stamp. But it did not have the double transfer at the top, which... Um, it has in all copies that are known, mainly because of the uh, process that Kaz just explained, where it had a portion of the other stamp there. But at the bottom, you, we could tell it had been the, um, the bottom scroll um, arc. What is it underneath the one cent? Anyway, that little arc had been drawn in, or, or excuse me, had been re-engraved, which is the number nine. So somebody had taken a number nine, drawn in the scrolls at the bottom to make it look like a number five, and had put the dot in to make it look like that, but, it, and it resembled what's listed in Scott catalog. But what it didn't, wasn't able to do is, the Scott catalog doesn't talk about that uh, double transfer. Micarelli book does and it shows a pretty good example of it so and this is one position of plate number one plate number one has an early state which produced us number five so later on they were all recut they went back just like all the other ones mm -hmm. and recut it to make the design strengthened and stuff like that 
And so that position got recut. Right. And the recut turns it into a number nine instead of a number five. So if you find that position as a number nine, it's a poor man's number five. You can fill your hole with it. Yep. Yep. I have one of those in my collection. <laughs> <laughs> and people, here is something if you get nothing out of this podcast, and you probably won't. You know, you, I don't <laughs> expect anybody to get anything out of these podcasts. But in the word up on top, it said is U.S. postage. Right. The O in postage, at the top, it looks like the O has wings inside of it. So... So not sticking out from the O. Well, if you looked at it as a face of a clock, mm-hmm. it would look like it's 10, 10, mm-hmm. maybe something like that. You know, so there's two lines, two curved lines. They look, we call them wings, but it's sort of like hands of a clock. So if you see two lines on the O, which are at the 10 o'clock, 10, you know, the 10 and the two position, um, that'll be that position. The number nine. And the number nine, whereas a normal number nine, you know, maybe cost 50 bucks. If it's that one, it sells for easily a hundred bucks or way more. And and it also has the double transfer. Right. Well, that's what causes the wings. Right. The wings are caused because the O was higher. Mm -hmm. So the bottom of the O is actually what you're seeing there in the other O. So the O has actually two O's in it. And well, that's the double transfer that's in the upper right corner. Oh, there's, a, the, there's a lot of double transfer. No, but that's, that's the one that was, the, was in the five. And when they recut the uh, plate, then it became a nine. But it's the same position. Same position. Right. Like I said, if you want to sell, if you want to fill that spot in your collection, you can find a number nine from position seven. And realistically, if you want to engrave, you know, if you want to ignore that, two years later they did some recutting, it fills the position properly. And quite honestly, I have one there too. <laughs> I don't have a number five. But if you've got if you've got a stamp that has been, uh, say, trimmed really close, where some of the uh, outer design is cut away, if you find that same O, are you assured that uh, that you have that position? Yes. So. Yeah, if you have the wings in the O, guaranteed it's that position. So it, it occurs no place else. Right. So the um, so is it possible to expertize a stamp as a number five if it's got the top and bottom cut away? Well, funny you brought that up because yeah, Dick Seller, who was a fantastic plater, he he was the top of the game. He was the number one person after Bill Aminette passed away. He was it. He found one in a dealer stock. Right. For nineteen dollars and ninety five cents. Yep. The problem was is it didn't show that it had no margin at the top. It also didn't have a good margin at the bottom. So if you can't see the top and the bottom, the whole thing about this stamp is that it shows the top and the bottom ornaments, whereas they were cut away. So the top and the bottom ornaments are really what distinguishes the stamp. So now you have one where the top and the bottom ornaments are cut away. So you can't tell. 
Well, he could see that it had the double transfer, but he couldn't tell whether it was a number nine or a number five. But you can tell because the earlier impression is much clearer. The ink they used is much bluer. And so when he submitted it, they went by the impression and the color to determine that it was indeed an 1852 printing. Funny thing, too, he found this, you know, $50,000 stamp. He sent it to the PF because PSE wasn't even open yet, and it didn't even exist. He had to negotiate with the PF because the stamp was so valuable, he couldn't afford the cert. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, nowadays, you know, it's 125 bucks for a cert like that. But back then, he couldn't afford the cert, and he had to negotiate for the price. Very interesting story. So it is. they are out there. They're out there to be found. All you have to do is look at the O's. And like I said, it's got a little line at the 10 and a little line at the 2 pos uh, position. And it looks like wings. Wait, if you see it, you know, you go, yeah, I know what Gadget's talking about. <laughs> it looks like wings. <laughs> um, so that. A follow-up on the last podcast I did my Donald Trump uh, pleads in New York covers, and I made a pro-Trump and an anti-Trump. And the pro-Trump shows him, you know, he's not guilty, and the anti-Trump shows him in an orange prison suit. <laughs> With a celebrate stamp on it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the... The uh, orange prison suit used to celebrate, and the pro-Trump used a flag, U.S. Yes. flag. Right. Now, the interesting thing on both of them is I used counterfeit stamps. <laughs> These are counterfeits, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and on the back I printed, the stamps on this envelope are counterfeit. <laughs> and the counterfeit mark was counterfeit. It's spelled wrong. Ah, yeah, yeah. I made a typo. Oh, I could, I could. It's I before E, except after C, right. except for words like counterfeit. <laughs> so so I misspelled it's, counterfeit on the back. It's really counterfeit. It's counterfeit, yeah. yeah. But anyway, so I made those, and uh, uh, I should put them up somewhere where somebody can see them. Anyway, that, that's my follow-up. I did indeed make the covers for, and... Uh, because they were canceled in Las Vegas instead of New York, which I wish I could have gotten them in New York, but because they were in Las Vegas, they say Las Vegas celebrates or Las Vegas supports. So uh, depending on whether you're pro or anti-Trump, my personal views, I'll just share them with you real quick. Don't care. <laughs> now, these were mailed April 4th. Which is after the date that the Postal Service is treating mail with counterfeit stamps as um, contraband. Uh, as contraband, or, or but they're they're not returning it. They are. Um, yeah, they got through. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, these got through. They got through, no problem whatsoever. Right. I wrote the address in pencil, then erased it off, and then printed the caches on them. All right, so you ran the risk of them not coming through. Yeah, because it, it would have been a detected. Yeah, but isn't it cool that there's counterfeit stamps on it? <laughs> Excellent. Well, while you're looking that up, I've got the results of the uh, favorite stamps, Lynn's poll from 2022. Since we did a review of that, we 
previewed the poll, but we didn't have the results. Ah. Thought we would go over the results. So there, there was. Uh, let's see. We got two, four, six, eight, seven, eight uh, categories. So we'll start with the definitive stamp. The number one was the U.S. flags. I actually felt like the Monument Valley, which was number two, was really quite more spectacular than the flags. But the flags got the most votes. Um, In the... um, Hold on, hold on. For the most most important... Hold on, hold on. So this one had the... Express mail stamps and the priority stamps? Yeah, in the definitives. In the definitives. Yeah. And the flag one? Well, it was the most important. Oh. Most important stamp. And it only won by, it looks like, about 17 votes out of five, 600 votes. Oh, okay. Um, In the worst design, we were spot on, guys. The floral geometry. (laughs) Overwhelming. They got 440 votes. So... We're talking about a landslide victory for the worst design. And um, for the best design for definitive stamps, number one was the Snowy Beauty. I don't recall that one. Do you? I do not really. Oh, those are with the uh, different flowers. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. A really, a really nice looking yeah, I, set I think of that stamps. Yeah, I think that was your favorite. Yeah, it? I think it was a set of eight or a set of ten, something like that. Mm-hmm. And the... Next two was the Mountain Flora and then the Monument Valley. So those outdoor ones garnered a lot of votes. In the uh, category for U.S. commemoratives, least necessary, overwhelming, total landslide, go beyond Buzz Lightyear. (laughs) (laughs) Got 689 votes. So there was more than 600 votes cast. <laughs> I don't know. It just doesn't say how many votes were cast <laughs> total in the poll. And But I, I thought it was interesting. The next one was Nancy Reagan huh. oh. with 117, least necessary. Uh, I think there's a political yeah. aspect well, to that. Well, first ladies, too. I yeah. Mean, you know, yeah. Just but we because you're put- married to the president, does that really make you special? Yeah, it does. <laughs> Probably, yeah. Okay, so then... The next category commemorative was most important, and that was the National Marine Sanctuaries. Well, and the no one I guessed a close, a close, fairly close sec- second was James Webb Space Telescope. That's the one we which went is with. the one we went with. Right, a very attractive stamp, by the way. Yes, it was. Um, the ne- the uh, next category is commemorative worst design, and we were right on on this one. The women cryptologists of World War II. Yeah. <laughs> the stamp that we couldn't even understand what it said on it because yeah. it was all in code. <laughs> yeah, but that one that one in Title IX, the women kind of took it bad there. I don't know. Well, Title IX was dumb. Yeah. yeah. I mean, well, it, Those two me. were the, that was the on, one hold on, hold on. First of all, let's clarify because we, we got... Uh, yeah, we got in trouble. LGBTQ plus people angry at us. We are not at all criticizing women here, trans people, whatever. Not at all. The stamp was ill-timed because men are competing in women's sports right now and dominating it. 
And the second thing was, it's a useless stamp that makes no point. Yeah. It, Plus, it was poorly designed. And, yeah. and the women cryptologists, I think that's a very, very interesting story. Um, my wife and I just watched again, we've seen this before, Hidden Figures. Yes. The story of the women computers mm-hmm. that actually put the first space put the first U.S. astronaut into space with their computing. And just spoiler alert. computer. Yeah. Just a spoiler alert. It's about four women. Three of them are actual people. Yeah. One of them is a consolidation of some other people. Um, the one that was the head, she should have gotten her own stamp. Yeah. She was amazing. She actually invented computer languages. Yes. Yeah. She, she got the computer... The technicians from IBM couldn't get the NASA computer to work right, and she went to the library and got a book on Fortran and studied it and was able to do it. They were mathematician whizzes. And the women cryptologists were the same thing. This is a very, very compelling and interesting story, but the stamp design was incomprehensible. You just could not tell what it was about. So that was why we voted that one the worst. Brings to mind the... uh Japanese people who fought on yeah. in World War Two. Yeah, it's, it's like oh, this is so dumb. There were a lot of Japanese people who fought in World War Two. Most they, of them were for Japan. Yeah, they they were on the <laughs> Japanese side. <laughs> but no, the, the, but that stamp it was celebrating the uh, heroics of those soldiers who really did a lot. It was not exactly, the design wasn't exactly. Oh, no. Yeah, well, see, that's the whole criticism that I had of it. Yeah. You have this Japanese unit who really had a lot on the line. They, by the way, they were stationed in Europe. Yeah, they were fighting in Italy. Yeah, they and on purpose so that, you know, yeah. the, their own troops wouldn't shoot. Oh, no, there's a Japanese person and accidentally shoot your own guys. Um, they fought with distinction. They were fantastic. They've had movies made about this unit. It was really great. Yeah. On the stamp, it refers to none of it, except for their logo. Right. Um, I forget what it was. The Gopher Broke. Gopher, Gopher Broke. Broke. Yeah. Gopher Broke. Gopher Broke, which was the name of two board games, three TV game shows, and here in Las Vegas, we see it all over the place. So it has no meaning for that unit. For that unit, they should have had. And, and the other thing too is they doctored the uniform, so it wasn't an actual. I forget 147th. I think it was 147th. The 147th had a uniform, and they didn't show that. And they should have shown it and said, you know, 147th U.S. Battalion. I think it was a battalion. Division, maybe infantry. Well, it division. wouldn't have been a division, but I, I believe it was a battalion. It was, or it was, you know, something. They, they sustained terrific, terrific <sighs> casualties. Heroic at, at uh, the Monte Casino. Monte Casino. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, it's a very, very compelling story, and and they again, just they blew just... it, and they did the same thing here with the cryptologists. They okay. just blew it. Okay, so we're. Quickly moving along, <laughs> commemorative's uh, best design, and I was a little bit surprised by this. Mighty Mississippi, I like that stamp. It, I like the stamp. Yeah, it was I was I was a little bit. I think when we were talking about, it, we liked the James Webb Space. Right, yeah, well, that's the one we've picked. 
Yeah, and it, and um, it finished fourth oh, behind, yeah. behind the Charles Schultz and the National Marine to, Marin, Marine Sanctuaries. Which I was not impressed with that yeah, one. Yeah, but the mighty Mississippi like, got double the votes of anything else. Mm-hmm. So it, it obviously was a favorite of the fans. Maybe a lot of the people who voted lived in Mississippi. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the overall favorite stamp for 2002. Drum roll, please. The Charles Schultz Peanuts <sighs> sheet. And I think we might have picked that. I no, no, remember. we didn't. We, we picked the Monument Valley. We did, didn't we? Yep. Yeah, Monument Valley got 60 votes. Charles Schultz got 443 votes. <laughs> oh, jeez. So if you count our votes, they still got wiped out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Charles Schultz is a, is a quintessential American icon. Yeah. And, uh, and hasn't been canceled. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yet. 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 Yeah. So, um, so I don't know. It's, it's like the actually it's I like s- the sheets that I have at home. They haven't been canceled yet. Yeah, yeah. Actually, <laughs> I, I saw a YouTube on uh, Charles Schultz, and it actually wasn't on Charles Schultz. It was on Peanuts, and Charles Schultz died a long, more than ten years ago. Yeah, it's been a while. It was a while, a while ago, but they still put out Peanuts cartoons, and they are still very, very popular. And I never knew that. I thought, you know, I haven't seen a Peanuts cartoon forever, but they're out there and they're very popular with kids. So I can see why they put it out. Yeah, we used to get it in the funny papers on Sunday and stuff like that. And then you'd get a little short strip in the paper every day in the papers he was syndicated in. Well, nobody, newspapers, nobody gets newspapers anymore. And so you're not going to find no, them there. No, they listen to podcasts. Yeah. So <laughs> where where these art artists are going with this product is uh, in books and in, um, um, I guess, on online. Yeah. In their in their artwork there. So you can still access. And the new ones that are coming out obviously are using the same characters and stuff. So they're they're copyrighted by Schultz and owned by the family. I see. Oh yeah. So. Well, I have something that's sort of along the same lines. The most beautiful U.S. stamp ever issued is said to be the Cattle in the Storm stamp. And the most beautiful stamp in the entire world is the Blue Nose Canadian 50 cent stamp. And uh, that does not refer to an Eskimo. That refers to a sailing ship. The sailing ship's name was the Blue, Blue Nose. Nose. Yeah, that's why I say it's not the Blue Nose stamp because it's yeah. <laughs> some poor Alaskan or Canadian up there freezing to death. Well, the reason why, and shout out to Glenn, no, not Glenn, uh, Beck. Uh, oh God, what's his first name? Uh, he does exploring stamps on YouTube. And he put out a video, an incredibly good video. Everybody go over click on YouTube and watch the stamp about it's about the blue nose, the most beautiful stamp in the world. But the thing is, why is that the most beautiful? I mean, they, they printed a lot of stamps. Oh yeah. And this is, this is not a multicolor stamp. No, it's single color. Yeah. Yeah. Both of these in fact. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, the cattle in the storm stamp, actually it's uh, at the bottom. It says Western cattle in the storm. Yep, Western Scotland. 
Yeah, Western Scotland, the west part of Scotland. They came from a picture of Scottish cattle. And so uh, it's not even American cattle. In an American storm, it's uh, probably Scottish cattle in a Scottish storm. But it is a really nice-looking stamp. But the reason why it's the most beautiful stamp is the pole was done in 1934. And we still consider that the most beautiful stamp today from a pole that was done in 1934. 90 years old and still going strong. Well, yeah, but it also means that you're ignoring everything from ni- 1935 on. We need to have <laughs> we need to have another vote. My guess would be that it would be a different stamp. Actually, I think that it has such a mystique to it yeah. that it would get a huge amount of votes just because people you go, "Oh, you, you, well, Let's take, for example, Linz does the poll, okay? So if you're doing Linz, then you're a knowledgeable stamp collector. You know, you paid for the uh, subscription. You, you have an interest in stamps and stamp history. So you're not getting an impartial opinion. You're getting an opinion of people who subscribe to Linz. And of people who subscribe to Linz... I bet you a significant number of them will say, oh, well, it's the cattle in the storm. That's, that's it has been good. for the last 90 years. Right. Instead of, you know, I like, uh, you know this, the, the Monument Valley they put out last year is better than the cattle of the storm. You're not going to hear that. But, and the blue nose was the same thing. It was elected in 1934 as the most beautiful stamp. Yeah, I, I think that um, in 1934... You probably didn't get a lot of votes for the Zeppelin stamp or something because even though it had been out, it was a recent issue, and oh, people hated it. Yeah, it they didn't a... like it because it was a high value. Well, actually, the funny thing is, in 1898, when the cattle in the storm, that entire Trans Mississippi issue mm-hmm. came out, um, it was criticized because it the toning of the colors and stuff. Originally, they were going to be bicolor stamps, right, and. All of a sudden, the uh, printing, uh, com- uh, the Bureau of Engraving and Printing had to start printing tax stamps. So they couldn't do what they wanted to do. And so they did just one color on it instead of two, a two process to save themselves time. Um, frankly, if you look at the uh, 1998 reissue, where it's a red border with a black center. Yeah. I like the solid black better. Yeah. But just so you know, well, first of all, they got a total of 600 votes. 240 voted for the blue nose. 198 voted for the cattle in the storm. So run away with those two. I mean, mm-hmm. you have a huge That's amount. almost all the votes. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> then... The number, uh, the number three only got 76 votes, but that was the four cent uh, Columbus with the ships on it. Oh. So very, very, you know, blue nose American. Yeah. <laughs> Some other interesting ones were uh, the Yorktown, the three heads, uh, number 703. Uh, the Penny Black came in number seven. Where, you know, it's like, there's a lot of stamps. Better than <laughs> it's the first one. It's a kind of an icon. Yeah. The uh, 
George Rogers Clark, the large two cent bicolor, mm-hmm. uh, got number nine. And the one that actually I think is nicer than the cattle in the storm, picture wise, the five cent Norse American got number 11. Hmm. So if I was uh, so alive in 19. Bicolor. Yeah, if I was alive in 1934, I would have voted for the uh, North American five center. Yeah. Was there any issue there that got one vote? Uh, no, they had uh, 20, the top 20. Oh, okay. And of the top 20, uh, quite a few of them were uh, Trans-Mississippi and Colombians. Yeah. I mean, up to 1934, if you had to pick an issue that had the most beauty... It was the Colombians and the Trans-Mississippis. Well, I think they were appealing because the picture was large. Yeah. Um, you know, it was a compelling image. And uh, and in the case of the Cattle and Storm, it was very high contrast. Yeah. You know, you can't get any higher contrast than black and white. Yep. Yeah. So if Linz does another and opens it up for the entire history, I'll, I'll bet you because of nostalgia purposes or history purposes or whatever that you would have the cattle in the storm and in the blue nose still getting probably winning numbers. Yeah. They, just because it's acknowledged that, yeah, it's always been the most beautiful. Well, the classic era, no matter what stamp it is, any, any stamp from the classic era has an appeal, I think beyond modern stamps yeah. for I'm looking at the pictures on the wall here, you know, of the Pan American, issue and that was done in the two color process like they were going to do with this um uh the 1898 issue and was open to the vote yeah yeah they could have voted for him and that was there but they didn't vote for those and actually you know a a nice set of those but they're not big they're not in the bigger format and i think the bigger format really appealed to collectors yeah like if they had done the uh Five cent North American, like in the size of the aviation stamp, mm-hmm. you know, the larger commemorative size, you know, the Lexington Concord size. Yeah. Then it probably would have gotten way up there, too. So, anything else anybody want to talk about? We have Westpex coming up. Yep. And I don't think I'm going to make it. Ah. Oh, well, uh, when you hear this podcast, it'll, it'll still be. It'll still be a week away because this is going up. We record on Tuesday. Well, it goes up on Thursday. So that's one week away. Yeah. It, you know, in the like I said before in the beginning, when we say it's live, we're actually lying to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're alive. <laughs> Happy collecting. Bye. We need your help. Nothing on the internet is free, including our phone and internet connections. So you can support the podcast by joining the Stamp Show Here Today Club. The cost is $10 for a lifetime membership. Please include your APS member number as we are an APS-affiliated club. Your support is greatly appreciated. Our brand new spanking address is 5965 Harrison Drive, Suite 6 in Las Vegas, Nevada, 89120. You left out the word glorious. Fabulous. (laughs) Because you don't put that on the letter. Oh, well, you could. You could, yeah. You could, yeah. Well, kids, that's all the time we have for today. I'd like to thank Sideshow Mel, Corporal Punishment, Tina Ballerina, oh, and from Knox Landing, Miss Donna Mills. Oh, she was a sport.
We've had lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of fun, but now the time has come to go. If this silkon was found dead in his bed tomorrow, I'd be in heaven still doing this show. See you some other time! Yeah! <laughs> Stamp collecting happens when we dream together.